800 AM and 94.9 FM KINY Juno from the Alaska Airlines Studio. Local first. Now, News of the North. From the Capital City, Jordan Lewis with News of the North on KINY. Juno resident Scott Spickler was surprised to see a fraudulent claim that Medicare had processed back in July. He said others have received fraudulent claims from Medical Home Care Inc. as well. Got the letter in the mail Wednesday, and it was a charge in there from July 27th for $4,100 for catheter supplies. And um, I don't use those, didn't receive anything, and then uh, called Medicare went to the fraud unit and um, reported it. And then I sent several friends an email, and so far there's 11 people I know that have gotten the same letter, same provider that submitted a fraudulent charge. People just need to look at their statements if they're old like me, 65 or older in Medicare, to uh, report the fraud if they got one. If you suspect Medicare fraud, you can call 1-800-633-4227. Senator Jesse Keel joined Action Line earlier this week. He talks on the challenges of education funding going into the upcoming legislative session. Senator Keel says he thinks they need to work early to tackle this issue. The Senate acted on education funding um, pretty pretty decisively this year, sent a bill over to the House um, that would have raised... Uh, K-12 education funding um, pretty significantly would have taken care of more than a year's worth of inflation after it had been about five, almost six years without any increase or adjustment for inflation at all. The House was not able to get that bill over the finish line last year. We did one-time funding in the same amount. So the House has that bill uh, poised in their finance committee, ready to go to the floor. Um, I'm hoping that we can convince him to take some action early this year. You know, we, we need to work with the governor. He says moving late on education is bad for school districts and teachers. The, the most valuable things make the best hostages, right? And we all value K-12 education. So it's often the, one of the last things we do. We need to, to, I think, move a little earlier with education funding this year, especially with putting it into the law. Right, changing our base student number, um, base student allocation is what it's called, so that it's recurrent funding and districts know they can plan, they can rely on it the following year. Uh, otherwise, they're rewriting their budget from from uh, a big drop in money, in income, drop in funding every year, which just leads them to spend a lot of time and effort on budget scenarios that aren't reality. He also talked on the increase of oil prices and how that impacts Alaska. So far this uh, year, right in the state we think of the year as starting July 1, because that's the fiscal year, um, oil prices have been bouncing around 88, 90 bucks a barrel, sometimes 92. A um, little lower today, but it's the yearly average that kind of determines the, the oil function or factor in the state budget. A um, couple of things. One is part of the compromise that got the legislative session adjourned um, this last May was that if the price of oil stayed high in this year, this um, next October, we'd split the surplus. Some of it would go into um, the state savings account, and some of it would go into uh, an energy assistance check to all Alaskans. It'll come out with this coming October's PFD, so about 11 months from now. Senator Keel is also continuing his work on the, his PFAS bill. I mean, they're called forever chemicals, these poisonous chemicals. We, we're going to face this issue for a long time. Um, 
but uh, but there was a there was a real breakdown there um, with uh, a bill that all the governor's uh, agencies had had all their issues addressed, and then when it got to his desk, um, he he used his veto pen. He and I had a conversation actually just this week. We're going to try and find a place um, to get that bill where um, where he can sign it. Um, and and so I'm I'm always glad when you can have the conversation with somebody. We had a little communication failure too. We're working now to get that bill to a place where we can do the things we need to do, so we don't poison any more drinking water. That's the key. That's what it's all about. A federal judge has upheld the Biden administration's approval of the Willow oil drilling project on Alaska's remote No Slope, a massive project that drew the ire of environmentalists who accused the president of backpedaling on his pledge to combat climate change. U.S. District Court Judge Sharon Gleason rejected calls made by grassroots Inupiat groups and environmentalists to vacate the approval and dismiss their claims. Those groups raised concerns about planet-warming greenhouse gas emissions from Willow and argued that federal agencies failed to consider how increased emissions from the project could affect ice-reliant species. Environmental groups have vowed to appeal the ruling. And there was an accident in the Ock Bay Roundabout at 6.30 a.m. yesterday morning. Public Safety Manager with the Juneau Police Department, Aaron Kawara, speaks to this incident. A 17-year-old female driver of a blue 2002 Subaru was driving in the area of the roundabout at Ock Bay, and the, her vehicle struck a light post. Uh, the driver is okay. Uh, the light pole was hanging over the roadway, so DOT was contacted and responded. The vehicle did have to be towed because it was on the base of the pole, but the roadway was opened back up at about 7.30. Coming up next on News of the North, St. Vincent de Paul and the Salvation Army both joined Capitol Chant to talk about the season of giving. That story is next on News of the North with Jazz Garrett. Welcome back to News of the North. I'm Jazz Garrett. St. Vincent de Paul and Salvation Army both joined Capitol Chat to talk about the season of giving. Major Gina Halverson from the Salvation Army talks about their community Thanksgiving dinner. Well, it's the Salvation Army um, annual Thanksgiving dinner, community dinner for Juno. It's been going on for well over 35 years. It's going to be at the Yacht Club on Thanksgiving Day from 11 to 1. So anybody can come. It's pretty amazing. We have um, some faithfuls who have just made it part of their family tradition to be able to come and be part of it. We have people, it's truly a community Thanksgiving dinner because we have the um, Alaska Seafoods who help cook the turkeys. We have like Glory Hall who helps. We have other restaurants that help. Jennifer from St. Vincent de Paul says they are accepting donations for their Thanksgiving basket program. Churches that participate with Love, Inc. already have their boxes and so we're filling up the boxes. We take um, non-perishable items and perishable items. Um, Perishable items can be delivered to our Teal Street um, location. That will help with uh, being able to refrigerate it and keep it all good, right? Um, And then we have lots of volunteers and opportunity to, to volunteer to deliver the baskets. Individuals in need can sign up online, svpdjuno.org. Call 907-789-5535 between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday, or stop by St. Vincent de Paul offices. To volunteer to deliver turkey boxes, call Marina at 907-209-0799. They are collecting donations until November 13th. 
So we're just looking for all those fixins, you know, the trimmings for a good Thanksgiving dinner. Uh, we need box stuffing, uh, instant mashed potatoes, canned or, or fresh yams, corn, green beans, the all favorite cranberry sauce. Oh, yeah. You're, <laughs> you know. you're, you're speaking my language. Now. <laughs> and then, yeah. of course, chicken broth. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, we take turkeys, pies, butter, etc. Anything that you would use in your own home to make a wonderful Thanksgiving meal, we need for our folks. St. Vincent de Paul is also operating the warming shelter this year and could always use more winter warm clothing. Halverson adds it's their busiest season and they could always use donations too. It's our busy time of year. We're getting ready for our Angel Tree program. We already have sign-ups for people getting for toys. Um, so we have the Angel Tree program. We also do our Christmas food box. So that's also, um, and we have our the good number of people coming in and saying, hey, I need just a little bit of help. And we're hoping to help give them that great Christmas experience and great Thanksgiving experience. So we're fully up and running right now. And it's also get ready for the bell ringing season. When you see the red kettle out there, you really know it's Christmas time. <laughs> <laughs> U.S. Senator Lisa Murkowski is raising her concern over the rise of fentanyl flowing into communities across Alaska during Senate hearings on Capitol Hill Wednesday. She called for support for border security. We have got to do more to demonstrate to the people in this country that our borders are safe, that our borders are secure. And Mr. Secretary, you cannot close your eyes to to that chart that just shows the numbers increasing and increasing and increasing. We recognize that there are pressures globally that are putting pressures on us, but the people of this country are not feeling secure. They are not feeling secure about our own borders. Murkowski states the need for even incremental gains to reform of border policies, including supporting efforts to strengthen the United States' northern border. We are a long ways from the southern border. But I will tell you that looking at the, the, uh, the numbers that uh, we see coming across our northern border and the number of those on the terrorist watch list, what we're seeing, um, what we're seeing on the northern border are two and three times more. Almost 500 individuals on the terrorist watch list attempted to enter the U.S. at northern border points of entry. Later that day, during a Senate committee on Indian Affairs oversight hearing, Vice Chairman Murkowski noted that small villages across Alaska are seeing a dangerous increase in deaths caused by drug overdoses and referred to a recent reporting by the Anchorage Daily News on the flow of fentanyl into native communities in Alaska. In Savunga alone, a community of just 826 people, 1,877 grams of fentanyl were found. I'm looking at the situation in, in Indian country. I'm looking at the situation in, again, communities like Tyonic, Savunga, Dillingham, tiny little native communities that are so far off the grid, most people don't even know that they exist. And yet the drugs are coming in and they are killing people. And so we, we, have, we need this data. We need to understand how it is moving so rapidly. I think we all recognize that we've got to be doing more when it comes to treatment, but we're dealing with a drug, the lethality of which is almost incomprehensible for most people. Now you're up to date with News of the North. I'm Jazz Garrett.